0: Well, this morning, uh, we are, uh, looking at another name of Jesus. Last week we looked at the name of Jesus, uh, proclaimed by the prophet Isaiah. And, uh, his first name was going to be Wonderful Counselor. And we looked at, at what a wonderful counselor he is. He, he knows everything. And He is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And we can trust Him. We'll continue to look at that this morning. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, the, His next name, Mighty God. And uh, I hope as we leave here this morning, you know just how mighty. Or we have a, a little bit better glimpse of how mighty He really is and how we can trust Him. So, uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6 this morning says this, I'll turn there, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This morning we're looking at Mighty God. What does... What does mighty God mean? Or in the Hebrew, it's El Gabor. Jesus, this, this child that's to be born into us, his name is to be El Gabor in the Septuagint, which means God Almighty. Now, when we look at the word Gabor, what does it mean in uh, the Greek Septuagint? It means that one, it's one who possesses power, and has the ability to perform some act, having the ability to alter or control circumstances. And I want us to see this morning as Jesus is, or as Isaiah is uh, prophesying who this child is to be, he uh, gives him the name, inspired by God, Isaiah is a prophet of God, that Jesus' name, this baby that's to be born of a virgin, His name will be Mighty God. God is assigning divinity to this child. He, This child is going to have all the characteristics, all of who the deity is, all of who God is in this human. He is going to be 100% God and 100% man. And Isaiah is not shying away as to uh, his name being associated with God. Because as you read through the rest of Isaiah, Isaiah is emphatic that there is only one God. And he is to be worshipped alone. I did not give you the, the passages in your outline this morning, but you can write some of these down. Isaiah Chapter 43, verses 10 and 11. I'm not going to read the entire verse, but Isaiah says, Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Isaiah goes on in Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 through 8. Uh, God says, Apart from me, there is no God. Verse 8, Is there any God besides me? No. There is no other rock. I know not one. Isaiah 45, verses 5 and 6, and verse 21. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. There is none besides me. I am the Lord. And there is no other. And then verse 21. And there is no God apart from me. A righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. And then Isaiah chapter 46. Verses 9 through 11. Isaiah says I am God. And there is no other. I am God. And there is none like me. And this baby that is to come on the scene 725 years after this prophecy, his name is going to be Mighty God. Jesus is God. Now, next week, we're going to be looking at another name of Jesus, and his name is Everlasting Father. The Muslims look at this text, that passage of Scripture And they say, well, of course there can't be a trinity because Isaiah is describing this Jesus as being everlasting father as well. How can he be both a son and the father and God? And we'll be looking at that closely next week. Isaiah is not associating Jesus as the father. Jesus can't be the father. Just as the Father can't be the Son, or the Father can't be the Spirit, or Jesus can't be the Spirit, all three are, are, are separate. They have different roles, but they all manifest. They, all, um, they are all deity. They are part of the Godhead. There is one God. This is what we believe as Christians. There is one God who manifests himself in three different persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we'll look at that more next week. But Isaiah is emphatic about the fact that there's only one God. But this Christ child, he is going to be mighty, mighty God, Yahweh. Yahweh the God incarnate. And as we get into the New Testament, the New Testament clearly proclaims that Jesus is mighty God. How do we know that Jesus is God? That he's mighty God? Number Three, three things I'm going to share this morning. Number one, we know that he's God because he and he alone forgives sin. He forgives sin. And and Jesus was uh, clear about making this point, particularly to the Pharisees. And uh, we all know the story, or many of us know the story. We've looked at it in the book of Luke, but uh, you have in your your outline this morning, Mark chapter 2. But uh, friends bring a paralytic to Jesus. The house is full. In fact, it's, it's full of religious people. The the people who were desperate for Jesus, truly needed Jesus. They were on the outside trying to get in, and uh, and so here were all these religious people carefully listening to Jesus's words, to see if they might be able to trip him up. And uh, because there was no place to bring this uh, their their friend who who was paralyzed, they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered him uh, from the roof. Uh, into uh, in into, in front of Jesus, and uh, Jesus saw saw the paralytic. Jesus saw um, the faith of the friends who brought the the paralytic to to Jesus, and he looked at the paralytic and he said, um, "Your sins are forgiven." Now, and Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about, and he knew that. Uh, uh, he, was gonna, he was provoking um, some some anger uh, with the, the Pharisees. Because in their mind, only God can forgive sin. And Jesus is saying, your sins are forgiven you. And they were indignant, the religious people were. How can he forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. And so to prove to the religious people that Jesus could forgive sin, he said, pick up your mat and walk. And the paralytic was made well. But Jesus knew that his greatest need was not his physical ailment, but his soul was separated from God, and he needed his sin forgiven. And Jesus is teaching very clearly that he has the ability to forgive sin. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we look at what the angel told Joseph in that chapter. He said, you shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus means the Lord saves. We know that Jesus is mighty God because He has the ability to forgive sin. And the Jews believed only God can forgive sin. And you have some passages there in your outline this morning. Nehemiah 9.17 says that your God, ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, And abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems you, your life from the pit. And crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. This is our Jesus Church. And it's only Jesus because of what he did on the cross and the fact that he conquered death and came back from the grave three days later that our sin is forgiven. We're here this morning all because of Jesus. And we must never, ever forget that. As I was preparing this message uh, this week, I came across a familiar a familiar hymn entitled there's a fountain filled with blood flowing from Emmanuel's veins it's good that we're in church it's good that we are reminded of the ultimate price that Jesus paid i want us to just turn off the lights right now and i want us to worship with this song as we listen to it this morning as it's played back for us.
1: There is a
0: shall be my theme, and shall be until I die. May we never grow tired of all that Christ has done for us. He has forgiven us of our sin completely. And my friend, if you're here this morning and if you've never humbled yourself and admitted your sin, confess that sin and ask God to forgive you through his son Jesus Christ you are missing out on the greatest you you are missing out on the purpose that God has placed you here on this earth to understand and make a commitment to he forgives our sin because he is mighty God and He is the only one who can forgive your sin, and you have to admit that you're a sinner. I came across this sin on uh, this uh, this song on, on Facebook. There was a girl in my youth group uh, that I I'm friends with, and uh, she was talking. She mentioned this song, and then she talked about the fact that she is a wretched sinner in need of a Savior and forgiveness. And she understood the message of this song. And there was a friend who posted on, on uh, commented on that post. And she says, "You know, you're a wonderful person. Why, why are you, uh, why are you humbling yourself like this? Why, why are you? Why do you think you're such a miserable sinner? You're a beautiful, wonderful person, my friends." The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus had to come into the world to save sinners. God knew exactly what you needed. You You didn't need an actor... Or a better job. Or a greater education. Or a better leader. you needed a Savior. And he sent Jesus. And only Jesus can forgive sin. If you've never made that decision, friend. I encourage you to make it today. God loves you. God knows everything you've done. He knows your past. He knows your mistakes. And it all can be covered by the blood of Christ. We know that God is mighty because Jesus forgives sin. The second thing we know as to why God, if Jesus is mighty, number two, is because he's created and holds all things together. The Bible says that Jesus was there in the very beginning. And He created. Look what the New Testament says in Colossians chapter 1. It says this, And He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How mighty is Jesus? How big is God the Bible says Jesus has created all things. Let me, let me just illustrate to you just how big Jesus' creation is. I have this pancake I, I made this morning. And uh, this, uh, this pancake represents the, the galaxy that we live in. We live in the Milky Way galaxy. And uh, astronomers, scientists tell us that uh, our galaxy looks rather flat with a, a little bump in the middle. So uh, this is the best I could do, and uh, it's not to scale. Okay, but <laughs> I'm just just using this as an illustration. You know where our solar system? If if I were to try to show you where our solar system is in this galaxy. A dot somewhere in this pancake would be too big. I mean, that's how that's how vast our our galaxy is. You know, scientists tell us that to um, get from one end to the ga- of the galaxy to the other end of our galaxy takes one hundred thousand light years. Now, how fast is a light year? Well. Scientists tell us that uh, uh, the speed of light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Okay? And so if you travel at 186,000 miles per second for a whole year, that is a light year. That is a very, very long waste. And you've got to travel 100,000 years just to get across our galaxy. And, and traveling at 186,000 miles per second, you wouldn't even notice Earth. I mean, it is, it is so small compared to this galaxy, you would speed right past it and never notice it. But that's where our, our solar system is buried, somewhere within The Milky Way galaxy. Astronomers also tell us that there are a lot more galaxies than just the Milky Way galaxy. Astronomers estimate that there are 350 billion of these galaxies in our universe. And the Bible says that mighty God spoke it into existence. That's how mighty, that's how big Jesus is. And the Bible says in Psalm chapter 8, verse 1, The Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Our mighty God, His glory sits above this universe. Our minds can't even begin to wrap around how big the universe is. And God's glory is greater. And God spoke it. Jesus spoke it all into existence. That's how big Jesus is. But as big as Jesus is, I want you to know that he's intimately acquainted with all the details. Going back to Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says, And all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is the glue that keeps this creation connected, he wears the creation like a coat. And if Jesus were to take it off, listen, all hell would break loose. I came across this video a couple years ago, and I shared it in church. I want to share it again. And uh, Louis Giglio does a whole lot better job describing laminin than I do. And so I want you to watch this next video as Louis shares.
1: Long story short. The tour was winding down last time around. We were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. He says, "How are you doing?" I just want to say hello. I said, "It's nice to meet you." He says, "You guys winding the tour down? Uh, where are you going to go from here?" I said, "Well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia." He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God in the human body. He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. Give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow, I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk. For a molecular biologist so I kind of stumbled through what I had and he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, uh-huh, that's good and then he says, well, what's your big left hook? you got to have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet he said, oh, Louie oh man, your left hook is laminin and I'm totally blank on laminin he goes, Louis, it's a cell adhesion molecule protein molecule do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louis, cells organize into certain molecular structures and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. I'm like... All right. He said, no, Louis. it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's its holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louie. It's laminin. You've got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to see laminin like, okay, let's see it. He said, no, 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 you need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. I don't even know how to spell laminin. (laughs) Takes his card out. He writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. I'm like, okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminin, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like... That's laminin, the cell adhesion molecule. Woo! <laughs> I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. You should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram. Of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now. Okay, this is what I found right here. No, come on, that's crazy. That's just crazy. I just can't believe it. I emailed that guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 wow. What in the world? He said, "Do you want to see an actual laminin molecule?" I'm like, "Oh no, man, the diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't, don't bother sending anything else." I'm like, "Yes." And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. How crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ he says for by him talking about Jesus Christ all things have been created things in heaven and things on earth all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus but then the next verse goes on to say this. It's crazy. And He, Jesus, is before all things. And in Him, that is, in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right It's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And He goes on at the end of this paragraph, and He just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross.
0: Jesus is mighty. Mighty God. He forgives sin. He has created everything, and Jesus keeps it all together. And the third reason why we can know that Jesus is mighty God, and by the way, let me just share this. We didn't need to see a picture of laminin to believe what the Word says. What God says is totally true. And yes, that, that illustration helps to bring home the point. But folks, you don't need an illustration. You just need to believe the truth. And this is what the Bible says about Jesus. And the third thing that we, we see as to why Jesus is mighty, number three, is because Jesus has beat death. He has conquered death. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Uh, John is writing these words. He's um, on an island in Patmos. And he's being persecuted for his faith. And uh, God gives John a vision. And this is what John sees in this vision. Verse 17 and 18. And when I saw him speaking of Jesus... I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Here we see... The glory of Jesus beyond the resurrection. John gets a vision of who Jesus is and he falls before the presence of Jesus like a dead man. And Jesus is encouraging John and saying, John, fear not. I'm sure he was going through a bit of apprehension being on that island, not knowing what was going to happen with his life. And Jesus is showing a revelation of himself to John and saying to John, John, you don't have to be afraid. I've got it all under control. I am the first and last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Don't be afraid, John. And not only is this for John, but this is for the church. As you go on to read the book of Revelation, there are a lot of horrific things that are going to take place with God's people. And Jesus, through His Word, is encouraging the church, don't be afraid. I have conquered death. In Christ, death is undone. They may take your life, but they can't take your soul. And the last breath you take here will be the very first breath you take there. With the, in the presence of the Father forevermore. Jesus is mighty God. He forgives sin. He's created everything that we enjoy, and He holds it all together. And He wants us to know that because He lives, if your life is in Christ, you will live. Forever and ever and ever. And it's because of his redeeming love. May his redeeming love be your theme. And may it be your theme till you die. We can trust him, church. A few other verses in your outline this morning. Jeremiah 32. Oh, Lord God. It is you who have made the heavens and the earth your great power, and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Hebrews 11. And with this, we'll close. This is out of the Message Bible. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors set them above the crowd by faith. We see what the world we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see was created by what we don't see. My friend, are you living by faith? Jesus' name is mighty God. He knows the struggles that you've gone through or are going through. He knows your hurts. And He wants you and He wants me to live by faith. To continue to trust him. Nothing is too hard for him. And I know that you have lots of question marks. Jesus gives us permission to question God. When Jesus was hung... Suspended between heaven and hell. Dying for our sin. Psalm chapter 22 verse 1. Jesus cries out. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? I know he was fulfilling scripture. He had to fulfill that messianic prophecy. But as a man. Jesus was identifying with our hearts, our questions. God understands. My friends, he he wants us to take him at his word. He can be trusted. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And for Isaiah speaking on your behalf, boldly proclaiming that this child, your son, his name would be Mighty God. And Jesus, you are Mighty God. And we know that nothing is impossible with you. Jesus, you know each person that's sitting in this service this morning. Some have really big question marks. They don't understand. God, I pray... That they, by faith, would trust you, which would, tr- would take you at your word. Would you just talk to him right now? Just share with him your fears, your doubts, your struggles. He's there for you. Thank you, Emmanuel. God with us. God, I pray that you would sustain your children. That whatever tribulation, Lord, you have them by your sovereignty going through right now, that they wouldn't be afraid, that they not turn their back, but they continue to persevere. Strengthen them, I pray. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen.